But I love on the street videos like that that sort of capture the heart of people that uh, uh, are not only not in church today, but it may be your heart as you're seated here today wondering, is this really worth it? Why do I do this? Or maybe um, you used to be like that and now your testimony is like the last guy who said the church saved my life because Christ saved their life. This is actually the culmination of a series that we did back in the first part of the summer. Finished up the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner series last week. But the first part of the summer, we spent three weeks on living the call together. And there was a call that went out. That call was, would you consider becoming a part of the participating membership body of this church called The Awakening? And today, as we move through our talk, we're actually going to be closing uh, the message by receiving in a number of you as participating members um, founding members, I don't know, charter members, whatever you might call it, of the Awakening Church. And uh, we have been spending a number of uh, weeks and months, even as elders and leaders of the body, getting us more strategically aligned and organized in some ways. And so this is a great day. But here's the deal. Membership in church, for a lot of people, is the last thing on their mind. Why is it important? Why is it important to be a part of a church community, whether you sign on the line of a membership covenant or whether you're just engaged in the community or not? Why the church? Why the church? So I want to look at that. Actually, we were uh, talking about this as elders, and one of the elders this week uh, sent me an email, something he had read, and I thought, you know, I'll let the edge that this person has, not the elder, uh, sort of lead us off today. And this is what this gentleman says in an article called, This Generation of Christians Wants to Know Why. Why Join a Church? The culture which sees no point in a piece of paper to make a marriage official just as easily dismisses the notion of Christians actually joining a church. Can we talk about this? A husband and a wife who were regular worshipers in my church, this is a pastor who wrote it, but never actually joined and became members, would sign their Christmas card, quote unquote, your common law members. A lot of the churches are trying to build their ministries on common law members. These people attend, profess a love for Jesus and say they believe his word, but they make no commitment to the body of believers and put themselves under the authority of no leaders. They are free to come and go without being accountable to anyone. Dating churches is all the rage these days. More and more churches, churches, particularly the startups seeking to appeal to this culture, are counting as theirs anyone who attends on a regular or semi-regular basis. In the same way, Christians are deciding they do not need to join anyone's church to please God. Actually, I happen to know the primary attraction to a paperless congregation. The leadership loves it because they are not accountable. With no membership to vote on decisions, they do as they please. The pastor gets by with whatever he can convince his board is justifiable. Show me that in the Bible. The people who love it because the people love it because they are not committing themselves to anything. The first boneheaded decision the pastor and official board make, they're out of there. They receive the benefits of church without any of the heavy lifting. Nothing about this is good for the kingdom of God. I thought that was interesting, just the whole phrase, the common law marriage. We live in a culture of non-commitment. Keep the options open. Don't want to tie myself down, whether it's in a marriage or in a community of believers like this. 
Now, I understand church shopping. In fact, you need to find where God's leading you and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's, I was told early on in my life, before I ever knew I would come to California to be a pastor, that California is a place you can grow a church faster than anywhere else, and you can lose a church faster than anywhere else. Because people just sort of move and migrate and whatever happens, happens kind of deal. Well, I don't know what your opinion of membership is for a church or what type of uh, good history you bring with that concept or baggage that you bring. But we as a church today are receiving people into official participating membership of this church. Not that people, including you, have not been deeply engaged and invested and living life and doing life together. But there's some type of officialness, I guess, to saying, okay, who's in? Now, who's in doesn't mean who's out. It just says, who's in deeper? Who's, who's really on board to really want to row the boat? And so membership helps us um, have this defining moment, as we mentioned back in the early part of the summer, where you come out of the grandstands. You don't even just get down on the goal line. I mean, down on the sidelines. You get into the game. And there's skin in the game that you do. Now, we are T-minus two weeks till NFL officially kicks off. I am tired of these preseason practice games, as I tell my kids. We're good to go. Now, along with the NFL season kicking off, what else is kicking off behind the scenes for people that are nice uh, lounge chair people? Fantasy football. All right? Now, some of you, you know why I'm talking about others? You're like, What? Well, fantasy football is a way to be engaged in the season and, and watch stats and sort of compete. But you don't have any skin in the game. You're in the grandstands. You're not even along the sidelines. And you're enjoying football. But there's a big difference between playing fantasy football and being in the NFL. All right? And you say, yeah, man, if you're not... Um, <laughs> Fantasy football, I, I don't get bruised up. I don't get banged up. I, I don't, you know, you know, get things broken. I, I don't want to be out there on the field. Well, you're right. There are injuries to consider if you're actually out on the field. But you also don't get the thrill of being a part of a tightly knit team of people. You don't get the joy of being able to, to, to bring everything together and make life happen on the field to win, to score a goal, to be able to assist and, and helping somebody get a touchdown, whatever it may be, and the thrill of maybe making the playoffs and even win a Super Bowl. That is not your hope if you're just playing fantasy football. What participating membership is to me, in many ways, is a defining moment to say, I'm getting out of the stands. It's not that you haven't been out on the field playing some, but you are on this team. And we want to see God work through us as a local church body. And if you've been journeying with me any this last year, and it was about a year ago, it was a year ago right now that Melissa and I were getting ready to make our first visit here, you know that one of my phrases is let's rock the valley. I didn't come here to play church. I didn't come here just to get a membership role either. But membership defines people that are on the field to be able to make things happen. And so I want to rock the valley still a year later. 
Now you say, well, how's it going for the I don't know. Have, well, ups and downs, different things. There's been a lot of adjustments, not only church-wise, and you've been going through them as well, but us as family-wise and everything. And you're just seeking to be faithful to God because you know he's brought you here for a purpose and he's raised up this body for a purpose. And I believe it's to make an impact and rock this valley. Now, and there's another valley that got rocked this morning, if you read the news. Napa Valley experienced a 6.0 earthquake. That's pretty significant. As of this morning, I didn't hear of anybody who had gotten hurt yet, but there was, there was some damage that happened from that. I mean, you walk into stores, and the store racks are all uh, broken down, and everything is messes, some buildings crumbling, that kind of deal. Well, when an earthquake hits a valley, it makes news, national news. It also sort of scares us in California, I guess. At least it does me going, okay, where's the next one going to hit, right? <laughs> Got rid of some of the energy up by San Francisco there, so maybe we're okay down in L.A. area for right now, right? But if we're to rock the valley, there's going to be an impact that people will know about. And it's not that we seek to have the impact for the sake of, oh, look at us. Aren't we a cool church? It's all about what we just sang about. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. It talked about the bride being ushered in before the bridegroom. Last week as we closed out that series, we talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. When God brings together those who are followers of His Son, Jesus Christ, corporately to be the bride. And we get to declare in music there as we do here, and even more beautiful and incredible there, right? That he is the beautiful Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and he has plans for the eons, eternity that move forward. Friends, our 70, 80, 90 years, if God so blessed us here, is just a little blip on the line of what God is doing, big picture-wise. And what he's doing is calling out a people of his very own, eager to do what is good, and he has called that body of people the church. The church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. It means called out ones. Are you in or are you on the sidelines? See, here's the reality. Why the church? And I'll just posture this before you. The church is God's idea. The church is God's idea. And if we ignore it, we ignore it at our peril. We were made not only for community, but we were made for the church. Our identity comes as being part of the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, fulfilling the purposes that he has called and set before us as a people. And it's not just this congregation. It's every other congregation in this valley and across the nation. I did something today. I don't, I don't know why it was. Because maybe I just speaking on this. I just, you know, I come from the north down Winchester. First of all, I'm thinking, and I didn't come all that early today. I came like 9.15 or something. I'm thinking, this is a lot easier drive when it's Sunday morning than it is during the week, right? Why? Because people aren't rushing to go to church, that's for sure. Like we rush to go to work. Rush to go get our shopping done. Rush to get the kids in school, right? Sunday morning, it's sort of calm and tranquil. Like, like, Lord, why isn't there some, you know, traffic jam on Winchester today trying to get to the awakening? Well, 
So I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's just not our church around. There's other churches. So I blew past. It was green. I blew past the stoplight. (laughs) And I went down the road, and I drove around where some other churches are just to see if they were having traffic jams. Now, I know it was 9.15, 9.30 in the morning, and people have different services at different times. But guess what? There's not a lot of traffic jams at any churches. That doesn't mean people don't go to church. They say his, you know, uh, statistics will say, I I think it's something where around 22% of people across the nation are found in a church uh, on any typical Sunday morning. California, Southern California is lower than that. I'm not quite sure the statistics. I think maybe it might be 17, 18%. But for a lot of people that uh, on the street video we just watched, that's their life. Maybe that's your life this morning. Maybe you used to be there. Church isn't that important. But it's to our peril if we don't realize how critically important the church is because the church is not only our our identity, it's our ultimate destiny. I don't know, we're not going to be called the church in eternity. We're called the bride of Christ. But it's the people who come together to do what we've sort of phrased up and put as a mission statement for us as a church. And it's this. We are living the call together by becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. This is the church age. This church has been commissioned to do something, not just this church, but the church, the followers of Jesus Christ, the one who is beautiful, the bride. We have been commissioned to know Christ fully and to make Christ fully known to others, to be on mission. And for everything else going on in our life, If this is our destiny, and it's ultimately our identity of who God made us to be, made us to be a people for Him, then should it not be at the top of our priority list? But we live in a culture of options. We not only have insecurities, we have sometimes the disdain for institutional systems. And guess what? Every institution that's ever existed is broken and fallen and has problems because it's filled with people who are broken, sinful, and have problems. I wish our government ran more smoothly. How about you? Do you wish your public school system sort of had things aligned a little bit better than what you experienced putting your kids back in school this week maybe? Not that they did a bad job, but yes. All right? I have been getting acclimated to the DMV and, and some things. And for the life of me, that's just amazing. Just amazing. Institutions are broken. But friends, what we're talking about membership-wise isn't becoming a member of an institution. We are calling people to be participating members, yes, in a local body. Participating members in a local body, but it's reflecting our our positional membership in the true body of Christ universal, those who are truly followers of Him. And so as we journey through these years, we call out this positional membership. Of if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, then praise God, you're a part of the church. Capital C, right? You're part of the church. But I believe God calls us into a place of commitment at a local level. What we refer to at the awakening as participating membership. 
to say, I'm out of the grandstands, my skin's in the game, I'm going to get bumped and bruised and probably offended by some people and ticked off at some leaders, and I'm going to go home some days and say, I'm done with that place. I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to say, God, your people are all broken, and we're going to make this happen, and we're going to rock this valley for your kingdom and for your glory. And because I'm a participating member, skin in the game, let's get it back out there. And when we have the wins, that we have the wins, and we celebrate. And we have brokenness, we have brokenness, and we lean on one another. And for a lot of people, I don't want to be a part of that. And if I can tell you, I've been hurt in churches before. I understand. I want this to be a place, as broken as we are and as broken as I am a leader, a place where there can be healing and encouragement and love and we can be about the king's business until he comes again. And I just want to say to you, if you're not joining participating membership today, would you consider it as maybe an opportune time in the coming months to have a defining moment to say, yeah, yeah, I'm in. You know, Jeremy mentioned, I wasn't going to really say this, I guess. Jeremy mentioned that after service today, there's um, children's training next door. Pizza party, all that kind of thing. Yeah, if you want food, come, that kind of thing. You know, when we decided to say, let's just be together in one service and not have two, uh, the ripple effect that hit the most was where? Children's ministry and student ministry. Because both of those meet simultaneous at this time. And for you to serve in children's ministry means you're sacrificing the opportunity to be together in a body like this. And Julie came to me when we went to one service, and she doesn't give names, so I don't feel like you're being called out or anything. She goes to me, she says, you know, the funny thing was when we went to one service, a bunch of people thought they didn't need to help. I don't know if she said a bunch. But I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. That means more of us need to be skin in the game with children's ministry so that it's all not dependent on just a few to be able to nurture the children. Josh and Tiff have made a huge sacrifice to be with the students almost every week, every now and then, maybe once a month they get over here. But to be on student ministry team and and to step into the role of a creative communicator, teaching, whatever it may be. Why? Because we're in this together. And so we're not spectators as participating members, we're the proprietors here in the store. We stock the shelves. We set up the table. We do the checkouts. We, we got skin in the game. And so I'm thrilled. 66 people this morning are going to acknowledge a commitment to, to be part of the participating membership. And I was really um, apprehensive about today because I know that when we have people stand for participating membership, it's like, oh, here's the good people, and then here's the people that are seated, and they're like <laughs> losers. Please don't go there in your mind. This is a journey for all of us. My dad got burnt as a uh, board member in a church when, I, I don't know, I was probably in first, second, third grade. That was before first grade because we changed churches my first grade. And he was always apprehensive about membership because he thought it was a badge, a uh, uh, of who's the insiders, who's the outsiders. And, and I said, Dad, you just can't carry that baggage with you your whole life, right? But you know what it's like trying to tell your parents something. You just said, I didn't go anywhere, right? Now, they were faithfully involved in the church, and they, they served and they helped and those kinds of things. I'm not saying that they, they quit after that. But I understand some of that apprehension. So this is a journey for all of us. But I want the awakening to be known 
as a church that not only has membership for the sake of, oh, that's what churches do. They have membership and they, you know, they'll vote on who the board members might be or, you know, vote on a budget once a year, those kinds of things. There's a couple of things you vote on. That stuff doesn't really matter to me. That's all a great part of it. But to me, participating membership says that we have people who are part of this church that are not sitting in the grandstands. They're not all just on the sidelines. They're in the game. And so I just want to say thanks for those of you who have crossed that line and journeyed that for the last few weeks. But if you're not a part of that, don't feel like, oh, it's my last day at that church. I guess I'm not a member. No, it's like, no, no, no. That goes against what I was just saying, what this guy says. It's a journey for all of us. And God leads us in different ways. In fact, there's, there was one couple that uh, I thought was going to become members today, and I heard vicariously, they said, well, we really need to go back to our other church was like an hour away or so where they used to be going to church and let our pastor know that we're going to be transitioning. And I thought, well, how cool is that? First of all, I was like, well, you don't really need to do that. Become, you know, It's like, no. There was a commitment they had their other place. They'd been attending here for a period of time, but they hadn't let their church know that there was transition going on in their life. Living the call together by becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. As the church, one of the visions I've had in this journey, and it's funny because a few of us in this room actually went to a preaching conference yesterday, and the first point at how to preach better is to make sure you're true to the text. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I trying to stretch the text in saying this? And maybe I am, but I'll let you know up front that I'm pulling this from it. It may not be what the text is saying. But in the Scripture... Some of you are familiar with the prophet Ezekiel. That the prophet Ezekiel was taken in chapter 37 to a precipice. And this is what it says. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And so he descends into this valley. He led me around among the old dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, Look, I am going to breathe into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke these words just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as they were before. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak to the winds and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breathe from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke as he commanded me and the wind entered the bodies. And they began to breathe. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army of them. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. 
They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Now give them this message. It was a prophecy given to Ezekiel concerning the deadness of Israel. And I don't know about you, but that would freak me out a little bit if I saw that happening before me. Just a valley of not just bones, dry bones, dusty bones, laying every which way. And all of a sudden, the rickety noise of those bones coming together. And then the muscles and the tendons and then the flesh. Now they're just dead bodies. And then where's the breath? Prophesy again. And he breathed breath into these bodies. God Almighty did. And they were a mighty army. I don't know about you, but I'm stepping back on. That is wild. That is amazing. And I am like scared if I was standing before those people. Here's the thing I want to say to you. I have a heart for revival. I came here. We named this church in part the Awakening Church to see dead people live, to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. I believe we're on a, on a journey Maybe it's a journey that's not a straight line, some jags, some ups and downs, and as it goes. But we're on a journey as a body of people to rock this valley and to make an influence for God, to be able to partner with other churches, to be able to partner with other ministries, to be able to see people freshly redeemed in Christ, to see those who have testimonies such as we saw on the screen, who think church is a waste, to have the testimony at the end, which is the church saved my life because Christ touched my life. We're on a journey to be a part, I believe, of a significant movement. But the power to see God breathe life into dead bodies cannot happen unless the bones start to come together. And when we as a church community are just doing little things here and there, Oprah pockets, you know, know, I've shared a lot about us coming together as missional communities and building relationships and knowing each other and carrying each other's burdens and, and being able to serve other people that we know together. What we're trying to do even get people to, hey, be in children's ministry, student ministry. Uh, the, the women's Bible studies are coming up. The men had their breakfast yesterday. And we're going to be stepping into a, a study with them to reach the men in the valley. All these kinds of opportunities, programs, if you will. Um, they're all for naught if there's not the breath of God in them. But friends, we can't have the breath of God unless we come together and we're connected one to another and connected appropriately. Scriptures teach that we are like members of a body. Each of us are different. Just look around. You can tell. Watch each other operate. Watch each other's passions. We're all different. God has created us as different members of this body. But many times, churches, I'm not saying we are as a church this way. Praise God, there's a lot of life here. But in many ways, churches can become dead, dry bones disconnected from one another. Part of it through the journey, the ups and downs, offenses, not having conflict resolved, other kinds of things. And you just step back and go, church, who wants to be a part of that? But if we are a part of seeing God bring together dead members of the body, connecting them, the toe, to the foot, to the leg, to the hip, to the back, and all of a sudden we start having 
connections one with another and we start being rightfully aligned, guess what happens then? Then the Holy Spirit can come and breathe life into us and we can awaken as a body of people. But if we're all disjointed and disconnected and and a little iffy about this, being in the game or that, or I've served enough there, I don't know about that idea. That's a crazy, wacky idea the pastor had or something. I mean, all that's going to happen in one sense. But we have to come back and say this. I'm committed. I'm committed to this, this body called the awakening. And together, we're going to ask God to breathe life into us. Friends, I have no hope in breathing life into this body. As much as I pray sometimes, Lord, may the winds of your spirit and revival move upon a people. I am helpless to do it, and so are you. And I, in one sense, feel helpless being able to bring bones together and um, muscles and tendons. And, and I feel helpless doing that, but I, I know what I can offer to Jesus. I can offer my gifts that he's given me, and I can offer him my time, and I can offer him my resources, and I can offer him the journey of us as a family, and I can say, Lord, we're going to do our best to get rightfully aligned here, to place ourselves in line for your blessing. It's God who chooses revival. Revival is not something you or I can ever create anywhere. We can't rock any valley. That's God's choice. When I say let's rock the valley, I'm saying let's align ourselves so that God could rock the valley through us and rock other people in the valley through other churches. It's God that makes these choices. But our responsibility is to align ourselves and to own who we have been made before our master, before the bridegroom, and say we offer ourselves. So let's, let's get at this. Let's, let's live the call together to become fully alive in Christ and to be on mission together. And, and however it structures itself through the course of a week, so be it. Now we gather here, but we scatter during the week. But when we scatter, we can't be scattered bones. We have to lean on one another, encourage one another. I catch it on Facebook sometimes. In fact, there's a group of you that all went and had a nice weekend somewhere. I don't know where it is because I don't know places around here anymore. But I thought it was so cool just, just to see that, that, that group of friends together mostly from this church. And I thought, that's the body. And they're connecting. They're connecting. If you're on the outside of church this morning, you just happen to slip in here and you go, okay, so what's going on in this place? Or maybe you're on the outside and you've been here a long time, but you feel distant and connected, disconnected from this body. I want to encourage you to take as simple as steps as you can, as hard as that may be and as scary as it may be, because, well, I don't know whatever happened before it happened. But take those simple steps because you cannot experience the life God intended for you to experience unless you are part of his body, connecting, relating to one another, being on mission, getting to know Christ. What is the church? Church is God's idea, and we ignore it at our peril. So as we get connected, it's not only a connected structurally, but one of the reasons I do a Sunday like this, especially sort of like back to school time, right? I mean, all across the nation, people, kids getting back to school, and they'll send me banners saying, okay, do the get, get people back to church Sunday kind of deal. I'm like, oh, yeah, so whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is not a pep rally. This is truth as it exists in eternity. God is calling his church together and he is calling us 
As surely as we're faithful in getting our kids back to school and some kids are going off to college this week and you're responsible to maybe you know, up the ante for the next season in your workplace and what's before you, we as a body of people need to say, let's get in the game and let's get connected to one another. And one of the first things that we need to do in getting connected, I believe, ultimately to one another, is not just relationships and going out and having lunches and all that. That's great. But we have to get aligned with this is what we believe is the mission of us as a church. And so this mission statement, fully alive in Christ and to his mission, yeah, it needs to be owned and memorized. But more than that, it needs to be lived out as individuals, as community of people, as friends. We've taken this phrase, fully alive in Christ, and we've sort of put three buckets of involvement or focus. These are the three. The first is a Christ-centered, deeper life. That you would be growing in Christ in your knowledge and understanding of who He is. There are deeper streams of living with Jesus than any one of us have experienced in here. I guarantee you that. Because I've met some of the greatest saints that I've ever known, even read after, and they still say that they're climbing in deeper with knowing who Christ is until He comes again. The deeper life, a Christ-centered deeper life. The second is a grace-giving mission, communal life. The grace-giving communal life means there's a lot of people that need to experience God's grace, and they're only going to experience through the tangible means of you reaching out and caring. And that's how we need to live, one with another, in community. And then the third is a kingdom-advancing missional life. We've been given a mission. You heard me say it in the early weeks that I came. It's not that the church of God has a mission, but that the God of mission has a church. It's not that the church of God has a mission. It's that the God of mission has a church. We need to have missional life if we're to be fully alive in Christ as a body because God is a God of mission. And it may not appear it when you hear all the traumatic things that are happening around the world and Christians even being killed and people being beheaded and all the trauma racial unrest in a city, you watch the same news I watch. But God is redeeming His world and He is on mission to bring all things underneath His reign. And He has a church, His body, His bride. We're on mission. A kingdom advancing missional life. Whose kingdom? Not our kingdom. The kingdom of the King of Kings. The one who's returning. And so with these three areas. There's two primary things that we've sort of structured our life around as a body. The first is a weekend worship gathering. And as we gather in these experiences, I'm going to do my best. The team does their best. You do your best praying. Other people serving, hospitality-wise, everything. That when we come together in these weeks, it's just not filling another slot, walking through another week, but that we are seeking a Christ-centered, deeper life and a passionate spirituality when we come together. And that we as a community of people, though you just may not be able to talk to one another too long because everybody's coming and going a little bit on Sunday morning, but that we would be a grace-giving community and people would experience that grace, not the eye going, who are they? Oh, I haven't seen them in a while. I can't believe they did that to me. There would be none of that in a body such as this. That when you come in by God's grace, 
there would be a grace-giving communal life that's felt, a radical community different from what people experience many times in the world, and that we would be focused on a kingdom-advancing missional life to have missionary zeal. Why do you need the church? You need the church for multiple reasons, but one of the reasons is that you need to be equipped. And I'm going to seek the best of my ability as we step into another season or run, a, a year stepping into the fall, that we would become equipped as a body of people to do his mission along the highways and the byways of life. And so the worship gathering is pretty critical. It should never be, in my opinion, optional. You've heard me share before on that. I won't go down that road. Acts 2.42. Let's see if we can find where these three things play their way out again in a passage we often come back to. The early Christians, after Christ ascended, they gathered. The church of God started to operate. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Deeper life. And to fellowship. Communal life. To the breaking of the bread and prayer, all that's combined in a deeper life, communal life. They're not all three separate things. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs are performed by the apostles. All that kingdom advancing missional life. All the believers were together and had everything in common. All that grace giving communal life. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow, what a sacrifice going on in that community of people to advance the mission. And to care for people. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And guess what happened, man? Surprise, surprise. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Focusing on the deeper life, the communal life, and the kingdom missional life. God began to work through that early body breathing into them the breath of His Spirit. Working miraculous signs, yes, but I tell you what, beyond the miraculous signs, more important was the love and the care that they had for one another involved in their world. And God used them in a mighty way. So we have the weekend worship gathering, but here, and we've pointed it out before, they met both in the temple courts, the big gathering, but then they also met in their homes. Oh, cool. That's why we have what we refer to now as missional communities. A missional community group. A missional community group is one that goes out as being the church. And the deeper life, the communal life, and the missional life are operative, functioning, seeking to have passionate spirituality, to have radical community and missionary zeal flowing in the midst of these pockets of community. Fun times to be had by all but glorious times to be had as well, serving Him together. Friends, we are on a journey to be able to get this dynamic of the weekend gathering and the during-the-week scattering happening in a healthy measure. It's going to take a while because we're all busy and we're not used to aligning our lives that way sometimes. Your work schedule doesn't afford opportunity for that. I'm having more and more of a wake-up call every month I'm around here. You people are busy. You're gone. It's hard to have bones connecting one with another for the breath of God to come in. Understandable. But friends, this is our mission field. This is the culture that we've been given. We have to be responsible to our families. We've got to figure it out. 
How do we just not gather on the weekends and celebrate? But how do we scatter throughout the week together as extended families in relational environments to be able to do the King's work? And so I'm calling us all, whether you're a participating member that's getting affirmed today or not, all of us, let's reaffirm the need to gather on a Sunday and to scatter together as communities during the week. It's not going to be easy. In fact, Jared told me the other day they had a great uh, end of the summer gathering for their missional community. Well, you had 50-some people there counting kids, right? Yeah, understandable. Then guess what happens the next week? School hits. <laughs> other things hit. And what? Maybe eight show up the next week to get engaged in the Bible study. And to be able to think through the missional thing. Now, that's not, some of you going, well, that was me. I'm sorry, I didn't go, Carrie. <laughs> no, it's, this is common to all of us. Okay? But we've got to think, how do we realign our lives so that we can be connected to one another? Because the breath of God is not going to breathe on this body, friends, unless we're connected, loving relationships, encouraging one another, serving together. Otherwise, we can just be a spectator church. There's a lot of those, a lot of really good ones. But my communication skills, this band skills, your skills serving in children's ministry and student isn't strong enough for us to be a powerhouse, attractional church and just live off a Sunday deal. And friends, I don't know that I want that anyway, right? I want it to be a dynamic body. And so we're going to have to figure this out as we walk through it. I want to uh, share this other verse out of Colossians. And then we're going to step into... Affirming the membership. Colossians 3.12 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's you who are believers in Christ, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Friends, that's a picture of a community I want to be a part of. That's possible by letting the Spirit of God live through us as individuals and live through us as a membership community. May that be our desire and our commitment So with this participating membership, if you recall back in the spring, we challenged, or early summer, we challenged individuals to walk through a membership covenant. And the participating membership covenant focuses on these three things, but then breaks it down with these bullets. I'm not going to read through these bullets, but this is a part of the membership covenant. Take it initiatives to get out of the stands on the field. So the Christ-centered deeper life, beginning with you need to be a follower of Jesus. To be a part of a local body as a participating member, you have to be a part of the true universal positional membership of the church. And then the second is the grace-giving communal life. And in there, there's some 
things that are a challenge, understandably so. But we've chosen to have our participating membership process have some teeth to it, not just sort of wave a fan over people and say, you're good, next, you're good. And then the last, the kingdom advancing missional life, has some other definitive statements of affirmation. All of these, though, can be summed up in the living the call together by becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And so our participating membership, no big old certificates, no blessing everybody over the head, no big potluck afterwards for everybody who's in. Not about as much what you get as about what the body of Christ gets. So I'm just going to read through the names. I'm going to have you stand. And when you stand, I want you to know that as your pastor, I'm extremely grateful for your initiative to be a part of this body. And I want to say, I'm looking forward to the ride. It's been a good I forget how long I've been here. 9, 10, 11, 12 months now. But I think it pales in comparison to what's ahead. Thank you for your step of being obedient to crossing a line of participating membership for the Awakening Church in the Temecula Valley. And for those of you who are seated, you extend your same gratefulness to God's work in these people's lives. And don't feel like you're an outsider because you're seated and they're standing. It's an us. It's an us. All of us. I'm going to read the names. If you would just stand. And then I'm going to have our district superintendent, who's also part of this body, Bill Malik, come. And Bill's going to just have a prayer over us as participating members for the Awakening Church. Dan and Kathy Allen. That's sort of going to sound like graduation, won't it? (laughs) That's cool, that's cool. Amalia Aviles. Did I say that right? Stan. Dave and Dawn Axine. Josh and Tiffany Axine. Michael and Nancy Bartell. Kathy Bunky. Eric and Regine Belzegi. Diane and Howard Busher. Carrie and Melissa Bowman. Dwayne and Karen Butler. Tammy Cook. Joe and Julie Cox. Connie and Ryan Dent. Heather and Josh England. Joe and Sharon Gaitan. Bob and Louise Getman. Debbie Gibbler. Dawn Graves. Frank Johnson. Julie and Mark Licatos. Herb and Susan Lamadrid. Jeremy and Melody Malik. Ron Martin and Kim McDaniel. 
John and Nancy Milton, Larry Miller, Robert and Rosie Mooney, Debbie and Tom Parnakian, Adriana and Anthony Ponce, Steve and Sally Riley, Gordon and Michelle Rushton, Danny Schultz, Patsy Shiwash, Karen and Mike Smith, Dennis and Darcy Tui, They had them mixed up there. Sorry about that. It's all alphabetical. Darcy and Jason Tui. Dennis and Jean Tui. GJ and Kathy Wally. Pete and Mara White. And Tammy Wilson. Bill, will you come and pray for us as a participating body? Sharing, I don't think that's on yet. As you were sharing this morning, a church, a different church than this one, uh, and some churches in Iraq, church in a village that's surrounded today, and if they don't do not stand up for the name of Christ they will be losing their lives. Their their heads will be cut off. It's already been happening. And we don't comprehend or think about that very much in the world we live in today. But we are, are in that world today. When I think about the cost of those people, and I say that for every member of the body of Christ, because if you're in here today, and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a member of the body of Christ, standing or not standing. Kerry made that very clear. But as you think about the commitment that you have, what would you do if you were challenged like that? I believe individuals would stand and, for the name of Christ and actually lose their lives. But because they're in a church together, I believe people are able to stand stronger and even die together if they need to. We have an opportunity, do we not, to stand together for the name of Jesus Christ, to lay everything on the line. Don't be a fan. Be a follower of Christ. Let's pray together. We lift up your mighty name today, Lord Jesus, because you are the eternal God. That you, O Father, are the creator God who sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is also God, the Word from the very beginning. And Jesus, when you left this earth, you sent your Holy Spirit, who is also God. And all of us today have an opportunity 
to abide in Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and the loving arms of the Heavenly Father around us and over us. I pray your blessing on this church. I thank you, God, that we can be your bride. I was thinking of the song earlier today, God, as we were singing it. What will it be like on that day when the wedding bells ring? Will you look at us as beautiful? We don't look at us as beautiful, but you do. And we abide in that. And oh, for the purpose and the cause of Jesus Christ, I ask that you will put your blessing and your arms around these charter members. And I pray, Lord God, that you would take this entire church and raise it up to be an incredible lighthouse, making an impact on this community. Now I also pray your blessing on Carrie and Melissa as they lead this church. That, Lord God, you would empower Carrie like you have never empowered him before, with an absolute fullness of the Spirit of God. And that there would be an overflow from what you do in his life to every one of us. And then, God, for everyone who is just committing themselves now to membership, we pray for the same thing, that their lives would continue to overflow throughout their families and throughout this community, and especially where they work and go to school. And in the name of Christ, we pray this. Amen. You may be seated, and we're going to invite the team up. It would only be appropriate. Well, I'm going to sing a couple songs, but it would only be appropriate to lead off with the Awakening song, right? And as they're coming, I just want to highlight to you um, some opportunities for you to be connected. Our community groups um, are kicking back up for their fall. We just want to encourage you. There's some on various days of the week, those kinds of things. On the front of your connection card, and I like everybody to fill out the connection card every week. I know that seems redundant, but it helps us just stay in touch and people to all get cards turned in. There's a place on the front that says Next Steps Community Group. If you want to be a part of a community group, mark that. We'll be in touch. We'll try to figure out a good option, one that's a good fit for you. One of those community groups that just started up, uh, Dave and Dawn Axine are now leading at their home for business leaders. And I'm excited to hear how well that thing has kicked off for a couple of weeks. But that's on Friday night. If you're a business owner or connecting some business kind of operations, uh, that's a missional community group for business leaders. But that's a great vision, a great step of obedience. Men, you heard about this in the breakfast yesterday, but uh, I am going to be leading a men's group. Uh, facilitating it on Saturday mornings beginning in two weeks, uh, Saturday, September the 6th from 7 to 7.59 a.m. It's BYOB, bring your own breakfast, or go out to breakfast with someone afterwards. But we're going to be dealing with the seven questions that rattle in the minds of most men. Now, women, you probably wonder if anything rattles in there sometimes, but (laughs) there's seven questions, and there's probably a lot more than that. All right? So we're going to go on a seven-week journey. Bring your friends. This is for the Temecula Valley men. It's not just for us. Bring your friends. And then, women, you got some Bible studies coming up. You'll be hearing about those more next week. The post is going to be redone. So those are up and flying from there. And then I want to just highlight one other thing coming this next month. It's called a Legacy Seminar. 
uh, living and leaving a loving legacy, protecting and providing for your family. We're going to be doing some stewardship focus next month. And um, uh, Joe Patron from the Alliance is going to be here for a 45-minute little workshop seminar after a Sunday morning service. So I hope that if you don't, unless you want the state of California to have all your stuff, um, the uh, focus is for us how do we live appropriately um, in legacy and leave legacy uh, for families and for uh, the, uh, God's movement. So that's that. Team, kick us off. We're good to go. And the ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards. Mm-hmm.